your Bible, please, and go with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 7. If you have a digital device, you can find it there also. Hebrews, chapter 7, pardon, Hebrews, chapter 11, and verse 7. The scriptures we've been studying over the last few weeks on the subject of living in prophetic times. And the scriptures we've been reading are about people that live in prophetic times. Maybe you say, well, pastor, what are prophetic times? Prophetic times are seasons throughout human history where people just like us have had the opportunity to see Bible prophecy fulfilled right before their eyes. And I believe that we are living in prophetic times, first of all, uh, because the Apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he said, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit, says the Lord. Joel understood, uh, pardon, Peter understood, that from the, rest, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ until the day of his return, that we would be living in the last days. That's a long time. And I believe we're living in the last of the last days. And so prophetic times require God's people to live a certain way. They require God's people to live just as they ought to live in every season. But more so, the Bible says, as we see the day approaching. That we're to seek God, to seek God's house, and to seek God's presence. And one of those men in the Bible that lived in just an age as that was Noah. The Bible says, by faith Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would anoint my lips of clay. To preach and teach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation. That they might put it into their heart and into their life. We ask this in Jesus name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. What are some of the signs that you and I are living in prophetic times? The Bible teaches us that toward the end of the dispensation of grace or the dispensation of the church, that there would be a rising tide of wickedness. Jesus said that the love of many would grow cold because of the increase of wickedness. And no doubt we're seeing that in our day. There's always been wickedness in the world since the fall. And probably there has been, there have been times more wicked than the times we're living in now. But we certainly see a rising tide of ungodliness in our world. Another sign is the increase of irreverence. One of the signs of the end will be that people will not acknowledge God as Lord. And there will be an irreverence toward Him, a lack of respect, a lack of honor toward God. This is also taking place in our world. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that in the last days people will become ungrateful. Ungrateful to God, refusing to give Him thanks. 
Another sign is the lack of awareness of the times in which people live. Jesus said in the last days or at the coming of Christ, he said it will be like the days of Lot and people will be eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. He said it will be like the days of Noah in which he said they were eating and drinking and they were buying and selling, planting and building. What do those verses mean? Simply that in the last days, people will go on living as though nothing is going on. They'll live as though there is no uh, limit on the, the, the days of man's life. And this for sure is a, the product of the current generation. You and I, however, are to be aware, to be alert to the fact that we are living in just such times as those. And so we should live as though the coming of Christ could be tomorrow or very, or this very morning. And we should work for Him as though He would not come for another hundred years. We should live as though His coming is imminent and preach the gospel daily as though we have to bear, uh, we have to bear witness of Him for the rest of our life. And finally, one of the signs that is mentioned in the scriptures is the peace with the nation of Israel, which we know, uh, if you've seen the headlines over the last few months, is taking place. Jesus also said in the last days there would be signs in the heavens and signs in nature, that there would be uh, earthquakes and there would be famines and there would be plagues. You say, well, pastor, all of these things have existed in the world, uh, so what's so different uh, about the, the times we're living in now? Or what's so different about the age in which we live in? The reality is this, that Jesus is telling us, not that when you see one of these things, but when you see them all coming together. It's the convergence of all of these signs that uh, you should be alert to the fact that the coming of the Lord is near. We're also told in Scripture that these things will come as birth pains. That means that there will be seasons, and I believe we're living in one of those seasons, in which we will see a whole lot of the signs being fulfilled all around us. And then things will seem to be relatively normal again for a time. And then there will come another season of panic and alert, and then there will be peace again and tranquility and sooner or later though just like a, a woman giving birth to a child and the labor pains become closer and closer our world is going to experience these days of great trial and great testing then a little bit of peace and normality and then more trial and testing and normality but sooner or later the world will be engulfed in absolute uh, pain uh, as the end of this age comes about. I believe we are living in one of those birth pangs. We are living in a season in which we are seeing signs fulfilled. And perhaps in the days and months to come, things will normalize again. And much of the world will say, well, we lucked out. This wasn't the end. Well, let's go on living like we've always been living. But you and I must be aware that these are things prophesied by God. And that we should be ready for the coming of our Lord. Say amen, somebody. So how should we live in prophetic times? 
How should we live in days like these? Well, the Bible gives us several examples. And this morning, our example is the life of a man named Noah. You know about Noah because you have heard about Noah and the ark and Noah and the flood. This was a man who was just, a man who was righteous in the sight of God. And a man who lived at the end of the dispensation. He got to see the end of one dispensation and the beginning of the next. And I want to just encourage you with this because I believe that you and I are going to see the end of one dispensation at the rapture of the church. And we're going to experience the beginning of the next dispensation when we return with Christ to reign on the earth. That is the promise of the scripture. Noah had just such an opportunity. And the Bible tells us how he lived. Now, I chose to go to Hebrews because Hebrews sums up very clearly what the life of Noah was like. And so the Bible says that by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared uh, an ark of salvation. First of all, let's notice that Noah was moved by faith. Everyone say, moved by faith. What's moving you this morning? What moves your decisions? What moves your planning? Well, Noah was moved by faith. Let's look at the the faith of Noah. First of all, we see that Noah believed God prior to the instruction to build the ark. He was not a man that had emergency faith. You know, there are some people that have some faith behind a glass and beside it is a little hammer that says break in case of emergencies. Noah did not have emergency faith. Noah was already walking by faith before the trouble arrived in his life. How many of you know that it's better to walk by faith every day and that way when the trouble comes, you're already ready to face it, already ready to confront the challenge that can come into your life. He lived with God. He walked with God. He found favor with God before there was trouble in his life. Then we see that Noah believed God when he was warned. He believed the warning of God. He he took God's word and God's voice very seriously. When God told him, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world with a flood. Noah believed the warning of God. What do you do with the voice of God? What do you do when God speaks to you? When God says to you, don't go there. Don't get into that business deal. Don't get in that relationship. Do you say, well, God, I appreciate your opinion, but I'm going to do this my way. Or do you believe God? Do you take God at his word? The Bible says, uh, Jesus speaking, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. You and I have the blessing of being able to hear the voice of God. And maybe you have said something like this along the way. You say, something told me not to do that. Something told me not to go there. It wasn't something. It was the voice of God by the power of the Spirit warning you, delivering you out of trouble, keeping you out of trouble. And do you know that if you will believe the voice of God, when God speaks, God will save you money. Say amen, somebody. How many of you have lost money because you didn't listen to the Holy Spirit? He told you, don't buy that car. And you bought the worst lemon out there. 
It should have listened to the Holy Spirit. And not only will he save you money, but he'll save you time. When you do things his way, when you listen to him, he'll save you time. And many people have lost time, years of time, because they made a decision on self-will, on self-determination, and did not listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will save you trouble. He'll keep you out of trouble if you will listen to him. Then we see Noah's faith goes further. And that is that Noah believed the impossible. When God said to him, I want you to build an ark because I am going to cover the world in water. At that time, there was no scientific evidence for such a thing to occur. There was no rain. There was no flooding. There was no way that this could take place. And yet Noah believed God. Noah believed the impossible. He believed that what God said would come to pass, even if it was not possible by human standards or human ability or understanding. Do you believe God when he speaks? Do you believe this morning that God is the God of the impossible? That God can do what no other man or woman can do? Come on somebody. Are you a believer this morning when God speaks to you? Do you believe Him? Do you know that all things are possible to those who believe that with God all things are possible? Noah had that kind of faith. Then we see that Noah believed alone. What does that mean? That means that Noah believed when no one else would believe. When the whole world was against him. When the whole world was against his faith. He believed. There are some people who believe in a crowd. And it's easy to believe in a crowd. It's easy to follow the faith of the multitude. Because we feel safe. We feel secure. We feel as though we have all all of us can't be wrong. But the fact is that Noah didn't have that support. He didn't have a congregation around him. He didn't have a family uh, around him of generations to tell him what to do. He was going on God's word and God's voice. And he had to believe God though no one else would go with him. Just as the old hymn says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow Young man, young lady, you need to learn to believe God for yourself. It's good to have mama's faith and daddy's faith, but sooner or later, you've got to have your own faith and you've got to walk with God for yourself. And the sooner you learn to do that, oh, the blessing of being able to walk with God, to hear from God, to study the Bible and receive revelation from God. God wants that for you today. It requires a determination to say, I'm going to walk with God even if others will not go with me. Even if others do not follow. Maybe you came to Christ with some friends. But the friends have abandoned the faith. But you've remained faithful. You remain steady. You continue to walk with God. And friend, that is the kind of faith that makes the difference. That is the kind of faith that bears fruit in your life for eternity. Finally, Noah believed God for a long time. How many of you have been believing God for a long time? He believed God before he was warned about the flood. And then once he was warned about the flood, he worked for a hundred years building the ark. 
And he believed God the whole time. The walk with God is a long distance walk. Spontaneous, momentary faith is easy. It's easy to believe God for a church service. For about an hour and a half, you can believe God real good. But to walk with God, it requires long distance faith. The kind of faith that believes God in the winter, in the summer, in the spring, in the fall. The kind of faith that believes God in the midnight hours. The kind of faith that believes God in a hospital room. The kind of faith that believes God on mountaintops and valleys. That's the kind of faith that you and I need because life has all of that. Life has ups and downs. God, life has moments of, dis, of despair, discouragement, and the moments of great joy and great excitement. And Noah knew how to walk with God by faith in every one of those areas of his life. When you look around and you see someone who's been walking with God 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, study them, look at them, because you will see the fruit in their life. You will see the fruit of faithfulness in the life of those who make up their mind. Who say, I'm not in this for as long as I can take it. I'm not in this for as long as it works. I'm going to walk with God, whatever comes, because I have decided to follow Jesus. I will not turn back. I will not give up. I will not, uh, I will not quit until I see God manifesting in my life what He has promised. Amen, somebody. That was what was moving Noah. He was moved by faith. Then we read that he was moved by fear. Now this one is an interesting one because most of us associate fear as something that is not necessarily good. And in biblical terms, fear is often talked about in negative terms. And that is because in the in the New Testament... There are two words for fear. And one of the words for fear in the Greek is the word phobia. And you've heard the word phobia, right? You have a phobia. Claustrophobia is the, the fear of small or tight spaces. Arachnophobia is the phobia of being, uh, being, uh, of spiders and so on. These different phobias exist and they can dominate your life. But that's not what moves Uh, Noah, when Noah says that he was moved by fear, it doesn't say he was moved by phobia. It talks about the fact that he was moved by a reverence for God. He was moved by the fear of the Lord. Now, again, I want to ask you this morning, what's moving you? When you make decisions, are you making them by phobia or by reverence? Are you making them because you're, you're afraid of something or because you have a reverence toward God? Now, every time you make a decision based on phobia, it's going to bring bondage into your life. It's going to bring, it's going to bring you into a yoke because the Bible tells us that God has not given you a spirit of phobia. He has not, he has not given you a spirit of fear. He hasn't called you to be afraid of everything, but he's given you power by the spirit of God. He's given you a sound mind to overcome whatever thing you may be afraid of today. 
But what was it that was moving Noah? Noah was moved by the fear of God. He was moved by a reverence for God. I told you one of the signs of the last days is a lack of reverence toward God. And uh, you and I in the, in the in prophetic age that we're living in must be a people who fear the Lord. A people who honor God, who have a reverence toward God. Look at what the Bible teaches us about fear of the Lord and reverence toward God. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 29 says that the fear of the Lord is a choice. Have you chosen to fear God? Have you chosen to walk in reverence before God? Then we read in Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 10 that the fear of the Lord is learned. He talks about that you might learn to fear the Lord. That means that you not only have to make a choice to fear God, but you should also teach your children to fear the Lord. Teach them to reverence God, to reverence the house of God, to reverence the word of God. To reverence prayer. To reverence the things of God. Because these are learned behaviors. These are things that must be taught in the Christian home. And then in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 11 we see that the fear of the Lord is an attitude. The Bible says that they delight in the fear of the Lord. That means that we don't fear God as a, as a matter of it being a chore. But we fear God because we delight to do so. Honoring God is a delight. Honoring God is an attitude that is pleasing to us. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 13 says that the fear of the Lord will keep you from sin. You say, Pastor, what could keep me from sin? Fear the Lord. Because the proverb says there that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. When you walk in the fear of God... You will hate evil. You will push sin away. That is one of the, of the fruits of the fear of God. Then Acts chapter 9 verse 31. It tells us that the fear of the Lord brings comfort. The Bible says there walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. When a man fears God, there's comfort in his soul. Listen, when you walk around with the phobia of fear... The fear of anything else, the fear of snakes or the fear of spiders or the fear of going broke or the fear of dying or the fear of not having enough or the fear of divorce. All of these things are going to become a weight to your life. And when any time that you walk in a phobia, maybe you're afraid of what your boss is going to tell you. Maybe you're afraid of what your neighbors are going to think. Those things will always rob you of your comfort. You lose sleep at night, you can't sleep, you can't rest, and when you do sleep, you don't rest, and you wake up tired, and those those phobias, those fears are robbing you of the peace that God has promised you. But when you fear the Lord, the fear of God brings comfort. The fear of God allows you to rest at night knowing, guess what? God is on the throne. Whatever happens while I sleep, it's under God's control. God knows what he's doing in my life. Come on, do you believe God that he is able to give you the comfort of the Holy Spirit? He wants you to have that comfort today. He wants you to have the comfort of the Spirit. And that comes to you and I when we fear the Lord. So I don't want you to leave here and 
and leave in a panic. Say, oh, I'm living in a prophetic age. I better go get my white, my white suit and my white dress ready and just go to up on a mountaintop and just wait for Jesus to come back. No, that's what, that's what, not what the Bible tells you to do. The Bible tells you to walk in the fear of the Lord and to occupy until he comes. That means you go on living your life as a witness of the goodness of God of the gospel of Jesus Christ until he comes. Amen, somebody. And you do so having the comfort of knowing that when he comes, I'm going with him. Say amen, somebody. What a joy and a comfort it is to walk with God. Now, there's another meaning to the word fear that is used here in the book of Hebrews. And it's the word caution. Noah was moved by the fear of God. He was moved also by caution. That means that he walked circumspectly. He walked wisely. The book of Titus chapter 2 verse 12 tells us to instruct, uh, instructs us to remind, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live sensibly or cautiously, upright and godly lives in the present age as we await the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that as the end draws near, when you start to see the signs of the coming of the Lord, you should live cautiously. That you should make decisions soberly. That you should walk carefully, circumspectly. Noah knew that every step he took was a critical step. That every step he took was an important step. Why? Well, first of all, you need to walk cautiously because somebody is following you. Somebody's watching you. It may be your children. Maybe your grandchildren. It may be a neighbor. Someone you've led to Christ. Someone is watching you and the steps you take, they'll take. So you need to take every step carefully. When you make decisions, make them by the leadership of the Spirit, by the leading and the prompting of the Spirit, so that you can walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. This doesn't mean that we don't ever take risks. We must take risks of faith. But those risks are led by the voice of God. They're led by the Spirit of God telling us, prompting us what to do and how to go forward. So Paul tells us that we are to renounce ungodliness and to live soberly, to live upright before God and to be sensible. Now we see how Noah's life was carried out. When Noah began to build the ark, I'm sure that he was at some point mocked or criticized because of what he was doing. And I'm sure somebody came around and said, Noah, you're wasting your time, Noah. There's never been a flood. We don't need any boats. And Noah had to make up his mind. Am I going to fear their criticism or am I going to fear God? Am I going to worry about what they think or am I going to worry about what God thinks? What are you going to worry about? Are you going to walk in the fear of God or the fear of man? Noah made up his mind. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to reverence God. I'm going to believe what God told me. I'm sure maybe somebody came around and said, Noah, you know, I've been looking at this, this boat you're building. 
And you could probably save some money if you just made it a little shorter and a little narrower. And instead of a triple-decker, maybe just a double-decker, Noah, because uh, you might be able to, to save some time and some money. And when people gave him alternatives to what he should do, he had to decide, am I going to listen to man or am I going to have reverence and fear of God? Am I going to do it man's way or am I going to do it God's way? Am I going to let man determine my plan or am I going to follow the instructions given by God? God had given Noah specific instructions. And so Noah built the ark just as God commanded. Why? Because he feared the Lord. Listen, maybe somebody comes around and says, look, I know this Jesus fellow is a good idea, but you should try this religion. You should try this type of meditation. You should try this type of worship. You should try this type of music. You've got to decide, wait a minute. Am I going to fear God? Am I going to reverence God and stick to what he told me to do? Or am I going to be led by the by the methods of man? Am I going to be led by the spirits that are driving this world? Maybe he was tempted. Maybe he was tempted along the way to trust himself. To put confidence in himself. What did Noah do? He decided, I'm not going to trust me. I don't trust me. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to walk in reverence toward God. And do you know, church, that when you and I walk in reverence toward God, it brings the favor of God. It brings the blessing of God on your life. When you make up your mind to say, I'm going to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. Because sooner or later we're going to give an account to him. Sooner or later we're going to answer to him. You're not going to answer to your neighbor. You're not going to answer to your pastor. You're going to answer to the Lord. And so I encourage you to walk in the fear of the Lord. Because it is the fear of the Lord that brings this blessing into your life. Now finally we read that Noah prepared the ark. Now we see Noah's obedience. Everyone say obedience. Noah did precisely what God told him to do. How should you live in this prophetic age? Obey God. Obey the Lord. Obey the voice of the Spirit. When you read Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8, here's what you'll read. God said, Noah did. You read a little lower. God said, Noah did. You read some more. God said, Noah did. Let's say it together. God said, Noah did. That's the pattern for success. You want to have success in life? Listen to God and do what he says. If you know that's true, say amen. That's a simple pattern, isn't it? But we get into trouble because we want to do it our way. And and if you'll just stick to the pattern, you'll see the blessing of God. God said, Noah did. God said, Isaac did. God said, Kingsway did. God said, you did. And when you just do it God's way, you'll see the prosperity of God. You'll see that God will honor you and he'll honor your family. Noah never questioned God's instruction and he never questioned God's motive. He just did what God told him to do. He didn't always know what God was up to. He didn't always understand it perhaps. But he understood that he was better off obeying the voice of God. 
I don't know what it cost Noah to build the ark. I imagine he probably spent some money building this ark. And probably a lot of money. But he did so in obedience to God. And the Bible tells us what's driving this obedience. It's the fear of God. And reverence toward God. Do you know that obedience is the evidence that you fear God? Obedience to God is the evidence that you love Him. The Bible tells us about Abraham. God said to Abraham, take Isaac, your son, your only son. Go up to the mountain and sacrifice him there. And Abraham did as God commanded. He took Isaac up that mountain and he was about to, about to slay the boy. He had his, his uh, dagger up in the air as he was going to offer his son as a sacrifice to God. And he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Abraham, do no harm to the child. For now I know that you fear the Lord. Abraham's obedience became the evidence Of his fear and reverence to God. Jesus said this. He said if you love me. Keep my commandments. The love of God. And the fear of God. Are proven by our obedience to him. By our obedience to his voice. By our diligence. To do the things that he commands us. To do. Now I don't know why he does things all the time. And I trust that he knows best. I'll give you an example. And all of us have lived through this example. A year ago, we ended up in a, a drive-in service. The, uh, the, the state governor said that we could not gather in groups of more than 10. And so I was thinking through that and saying, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? I was panicking. Because I knew that this church needed to gather. And so, he said, go talk to the judge. So I went to the courthouse. I've never spoken to the county judge. I don't know how to get to the county judge. I walked right into his office. And in a couple of seconds, I was sitting down at his desk and we were talking. And I said, "Uh, judge, what do you think about if we do a drive-in service? He said, Pastor, that's a great idea. And so that Sunday we had a drive-in service. The next week they said, no gatherings of any kind. That meant no drive-in service. I said, Lord, now what do I do? He said, call the judge. I said, I don't have the judge's phone number. I need you to give me the judge's phone number. I went online, found the judge's phone number. On a Saturday morning, I called the judge and he answered the phone. I think I could still hear his spoon landing in his cereal bowl. And I said, Judge, respectfully, sir, you have allowed the laundromats to be open and the the restaurants to be open. The church needs to be open. And... He said, well, um, all right, I'll change the order, but I'm not going to do it today. I said, all right, judge, as long as I have your word, we're good. We got off the phone with him. I said, Lord, I need you to do it today. A few minutes later, I get a message. He says, Pastor Isaac, I'm on the way to the courthouse. I'm amending the order. You can have church tomorrow morning. Come on, somebody. If you'll just listen to God. You know, I could have had us all out there with picket signs, right? 
But if you just listen to the voice of the Spirit, we end up in the drive-in service and then we start building that, that platform out there. And I had a small, a, a small stage. You remember that little original platform? And, and I felt like, okay, Lord, what do we do? He gave me an idea for what to do. And I said, Lord, we don't need anything quite that big. We're not going to be out there that long. He said, you're going to be out there longer than you think. And I said, well, how long are we going to be out there? And this is what I believe he told me. He said, you'll be out there as long as Noah was in the ark. And I did some research. And it turned out we were, he was in the ark a year. So now I've got to decide if I'm going to fear the Lord. A few months go by. I said, all right, Lord. I think we're ready to come in. The people seem to be ready to come in. He said, I told you. You'll be out there as long as Noah's in the ark. I get some phone calls. Pastor, when are we coming back inside? I said, well, I don't know. Let me pray about it. I pray about it. Isaac, I told you. You'll be out there as long as Noah's in the ark. Church meeting comes around. I said, Lord, I'll put it to a vote. I'll let the church vote and decide if they want to come in. He said, Isaac, I told you as long as Noah's in the ark. Then I flipped the script. I said, all right, Lord. The governor said, everybody will have a vaccine by the summer. So we'll be out there until everybody has a vaccine. He said, Isaac, I told you as long as Noah's in the ark. That's why we're in here this morning. Because I fear the Lord. I said, I fear the Lord. I don't know why he did it that way. I know one thing, that many churches were closed for three or four months. Kingsway Church never closed. We were always gathered on Sunday morning. Why? Because it pays to hear the voice of God. And when you and I just do it his way, it might not make sense. I don't. I don't know all the details that come into the decisions God has made in our, in our life over the last year. But I know this, that it pays to listen to God. And I fear the Lord more than your phone calls. I fear the Lord more than your criticism because He's the one that we answer to. Come on, somebody. He's the one who has the last word. Obedience is the proof that you fear God. Now, three things happen as a result of this lifestyle. I'll go through these quickly. First of all, the Bible said that he prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. What would you do to save your family? Noah built an ark. He worked for a hundred years to save his family. My goodness, when you think about the investment of this man, and I know this isn't hard for any of you to understand because everyone in here would lay their own life down for their family. Your heart for your children, your heart for your sons and daughters, your heart for them to know God. And I just come to encourage you this morning, whatever you're doing, that they might be saved, keep doing it and don't let up until you see what God has promised be fulfilled in your life. If you're praying, keep praying. If you're fasting, keep fasting. If you're living as a witness, keep living as a witness. Because sooner or later you're going to bear fruit. 
Noah had to make up his mind about his family and saying their salvation is more important to me than anyone's opinion or anyone's criticism or what the rest of the crowd is doing. You and I live in an age where the family is being pulled and pushed from every side. You've got to make up your mind and say me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Everybody else can do what they want, but we're going to serve the Lord. Come on somebody. You've got to make up your mind because it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth the cost. It's worth the investment. It's worth the sacrifice so that you can see the salvation of your house. And do you know this is a Bible promise for you this morning? The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household shall be saved. That's God's promise to you. Don't let up. Don't let go. And don't give in until you see it in your life. That's God's assurance To the family this morning. God is a family God. And he wants to see the family saved. He wants to see the family restored. And when you walk in the fear of God. And you walk in obedience to God. And you walk by faith. It's going to have an impact on your family. It can't help but have an impact on your family. Mom and dad your children are watching your faith. They're watching your spiritual life and you are setting the blueprint for them for what life is like and how life works and how success comes. So don't give up on walking with God. Now, the second thing that happened as a result, the Bible said that he condemned the world. What does that mean? That means that Noah's faith was vindicated in front of the world. When I was in college... Maybe some of you had this experience. Whenever we had to take a test, someone would always ask, Professor, are you grading on the curve? And that simply meant that if we take the test, there's a hundred questions on the test, and, and we all miss the same questions, you won't count those against us. And so the test results come back, and what do you want to know? Did anybody make a hundred? Because as long as nobody made a hundred, we all get a little extra point. And sure enough, there's that one kid, right? I made a hundred. Well, you weren't supposed to make a hundred because if you didn't make a hundred, then that meant that the teacher was wrong and we weren't. But when that kid raised their hand and said, I made a hundred, that meant that they knew the answer to the questions. That's what happened when Noah walked with God and judgment came. Noah made a hundred. And he condemned the rest of the world. He vindicated his own faith by simply walking with God and knowing sooner or later that a grading day is coming. And when that day comes, I'm going to stand right before God because I believed Him. Because I trusted Him. Because I walked with Him. You and I must be those men and women of God in our generation. Who can say to the world, you can live for God. It is possible to walk with the invisible God and know his voice and sense his presence and enjoy his power and experience his healing and see his deliverance. Come on somebody. It is possible to walk with God. 
It's possible to walk with God in a perverse and ungodly generation. It's possible to walk with God when you come to church in your car. It's possible to walk with God when there is there are no resources. It's possible to walk with God because He has made it possible by faith. And our walk with Him proves to the world that He exists and that He manifests His glory to those who trust in Him. And the last result of Noah's life was that he became an heir of righteousness. He believed God and he became an heir of righteousness. You say, Pastor, that's a really big word. What does that mean? It simply means that he became a son of God. To be an heir is to be a son. Noah became righteous. He became a child of the righteous God. Why? Because he believed. That's all that is necessary this morning for you to become a child of God is to believe. The Bible said that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. The scripture says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised up Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. You don't have to build an ark. Say amen, somebody. You don't have to do some great heroic feat. All you have to do is believe. And if you will believe... You will become a child of God. You'll be adopted into God's family and you can call God your father. How many of you this morning call God father? Come on, give him praise. Is he a good father? I said, is he a good father? Has he fed you when you were hungry? Has he clothed you when you were naked? Has he comforted you when you were discouraged? Come on, he's a good father. And if you don't know him as your father this morning, you can. You can become an heir of righteousness by faith. By making up in your mind that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Your life can be changed in a moment and that discomfort and that discouragement and that fear that's been driving your life can stop and your life can be driven by the voice of the Father who loves you, who cares for you. This morning I want to encourage anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord to make a decision for Him. To say yes to Christ this morning. To offer Him your heart. To offer Him your life. Would you stand with me this morning? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to do that this morning. If you say, Pastor Isaac, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to know Jesus as my Savior and I want to know God as my Father. This morning, if that's you, I want to pray with you. So that you can begin your walk with God. 
Maybe you're online. Maybe you're listening after this service. Maybe you're in this service right now. Wherever you are, the Spirit of God is calling to you because He loves you. And because He wants you to know Him as your Father. So this morning, I want to invite you to say yes to Christ. Would you just pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name. I ask that if there's anyone listening this morning who doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, that they will sense the tug of the Spirit calling them to faith in Jesus. And that they will come to Christ this morning. That they will sense the convicting of the Spirit of God and answer to Christ. If that's you this morning, if you say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ, would you just lift your hand where I can see it? If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to pray with you. You online, right where you are, just make this prayer with me as well. And we're going to, we're going to make Christ, we're going to make a decision for Christ this morning. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, I confess that I have sinned against you. That I have broken your law and that I deserve judgment. But this morning I fall upon your mercy and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me a new person. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead for me. And today by faith, I receive the forgiveness of my sins. And I receive you as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, please contact Kingsway Church this morning. We want to pray with you. We want to give you some resources so that you can walk with the Lord. We want to be a part of that journey of faith that you've begun this morning. Now that the congregation, I want to encourage you this morning to just lift your hands to heaven and make a decision. To say, God, I'm going to walk by faith. And I'm going to walk in the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to obey you. Because there is no other way for me but to walk with you. Come on, this morning you're not alone. When you made the decision to walk with God, He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you for the journey. He's with you for the long haul. He's with you whatever comes. Come on, just reach out your faith. This morning toward God. Receive the miracle that you need. Receive the breakthrough that you need.